What is good, everybody? Welcome back to the Ball is Life in the Paint podcast, episode number five. This time around, we're going to talk a little bit of high school action that we saw over the holiday. Um, let's start with the Classic at Damien tournament. Rancho Christian beat Corona Centennial for the championship, and uh, they remain the same in this week's uh, Fab 50 national rankings update done by our own Ronnie Flores, who is sitting right next to me. Ronnie, what, what was your take on what you saw at Classic at Damien? Well, you looked at the Classic at Damien. Obviously, it was a great field. The team that won Rancho Christian kind of wanted to really win that tournament because of their loss at the Tarkanian Classic to Bishop Gorman. They wanted to get back on track, kind of keep the winning ways going. And junior Dominic Harris is now eligible. And, uh, you know, Gonzaga recruit, and he's probably going to help them here going forward. They yeah. want a, a rematch with Corona Centennial, who beat Fairfax in the semifinal. Big right. win for Corona Centennial. Josh Giles' program is continually good. And I just look at it as Rancho Christian kind of had to win that to, to to get their season where they want. They were expected to win that. Obviously, with Pacific recruit, the Tasmanian, Panamanian yeah. devil, say John Bosco yeah. not being there. That was a big... That's a big uh, deal. That's a big deal. Bosco wasn't able to advance as, as they would have liked if, if he would have been Salazar. Jonathan Salazar, we're speaking of, Pacific recruit. You know, so... Corona Centennial came out on that side, and, and Rancho Christian, as expected, beat him. Yeah, and you mentioned Dominic Harris. Uh, he had 21 points in the championship game. Huge. That was a huge effort for, for that. They needed that. They need guard play. Rancho Christian needs their guard play to be good. Jordan Montgomery was solid, didn't turn the ball over, took the shots and hit the shots when they were open. Um, and for Rancho Christian to continue and, and play their national schedule and continue winning, um, they're going to need that guard play to be good. Great. Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously, they're off till. The 11th, they're going to face a big team, a good team, Memphis East in West Memphis, Arkansas. Hopefully we could talk to their coach, Ray Belfield, about that before that time. But right now we're going to bring on special guest for this episode in the paint. We're going to go hard in the paint with Fairfax coach Steve Bake, whose team lost to Corona Centennial in the semifinals. We're pulling up Steve Bake right now. So Steve Bake, obviously the former coach at Chino Hills, now at Fairfax. One of the Alley City Powers, along with Westchester. Westchester won the Beach Ball Classic, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, and that was led by a guy, Jordan Brinson, who we talked about in the, the last uh, episode. Um, in his recruitment, he was committed to Missouri State for a little bit, but um, he backed out of that. Now he's, he's available. Um, Ronnie, what have you seen from Brinson that kind of stands out to you? Uh, he's a big left-handed point guard, um, tough as nails. Guys who play for Edison are usually tough. Devin, um, they they just breed toughness. They don't always have the elite talent. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, Devin, they had a team with three NBA players on it. Uh, Bobby Brown, Trevor Reza, et cetera. They don't have that right now. Yeah. You know, but it, the DNA is there. Right. He's been the coach since 79-80, and... They win. They that was a good win. They beat Scott County, so Westchester jumps into the Fab Fifty this week. Westchester jumps in at number twenty-two, and Scott County, their first loss of the season, is thirty. Uh, Jordan Brinson talked to him a little bit. Now Hawaii's on him. LMU's taking looks. New Mexico. Sorry to interrupt, Ronnie, but we got our guy, Coach Steve Bake from Fairfax High School, on the line live. Coach, I know you're getting ready for practice. Uh, about 12 o'clock, so about seven minutes. But uh, we wanted to touch base with you on you guys' experience at the Classic of Damien and how you think you guys did. Oh, sure. Yeah, 
Yeah, it was a first class event. You know, we um, I've been fortunate to go to some tournaments all across the nation, and this one, all the details. Uh, it was just it was first class, one of the best I've ever been to. And uh, as far as your performance goes, you fell to Corona Centennial in the semifinals. Um, what are your thoughts on your team's overall performance at Damien? You know, we 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 kind of uh, we're trying to figure out um, a rotation of Keith back. And, yeah. Uh, you know, um, we felt like we had our chances in that game, and for us to you know um, be right there the majority of the game. Um, I mean. Centennial, that you know, got to give them credit for what they do. But for us, I don't think we gave them our best shot. Um, if you would have told me that, you know, Keith would have had zero that game, uh, you know, I would have, I would never have guessed that. Right, know? right. Um, Coach, you'd be a good guy to talk about the recent change at, at UCLA. Um, you have a, a player on your team right now going to UNLV, Ethan Anderson, who's an absolute, oh. absolute monster, um, <laughs> LA City section guy. Uh, yeah. continuously in the talks for city section player of the year and is, you know, is going to be in those talks again this year. Um, right. You had a, you had a player, Alonzo Ball, go to UCLA. Um, right. What's your take in, uh, on that situation? And um, what does the next head coach there need to do when they take sure. over that job? Sure. You know, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough job for sure. And, um, you know, uh, I've got to know Steve Alford pretty well. And, uh, you know, did a great job with uh, many things. You know, I mean, recruiting classes, you know, he, he's done a phenomenal job every year. I think he's been there. Um, but specifically talking about, you know, the players from the West Coast maybe not getting the looks and opportunities that, you know, they should. I, I think that's true and, you know, um, not so true at times because, you know, you look at a guy like, you know, Devin, uh, Daryl Polk from, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Long Beach Poly, he's at um, Pepperdine, I think, doing well. Um, there's another couple. Oh, uh, the CSUN kid, uh, Darius Brown. Yep, Pasadena. Pasadena. So, you know, and then, you know, you have uh, one of our guards, um, uh, Jamal Hartwell. Right. You know, at George Mason right, right. now. So, um, you know, it's. I don't know. It's kind of a, you know, it's it's always a, uh, uh, it, it's no, there's no perfect solution. There's no perfect scenario. I think a lot of it is, you know, um, you know, it's it's just based off of each, you know, situation. It's case by case, I think. And so, um, if you're good enough, I think you'll end up being at the right place. For sure, coach. We're gonna move into a, a, a more touchy subject with the, you know, on the horizon, the LAUSD. Uh, strike potential. Um, can you give us a little inside info on that and how it might impact uh, LA City's section school sports teams uh, if it does go yeah. down? Yeah, no, that's that's uh, the question everybody's you know trying to find the answers to. You know, people on site, people in the basketball community. Um, for me, you know, I'm doing all I can to prepare. And um, right now, if you know, all signs to us you know continuing um there are some people that you know think that um you know they'll figure it out before you know uh that deadline and um you know 
and there will be no effect and then there are some that are you know saying that it's going to go on for a, a long time so um, I'm just going off of what I know and what I've heard and the more admin right now it's you know green light and I'm just going to go about it that way until I'm you know told different. Coach Big this is Ronnie um, we're hearing that the strike could start on January 8th when you guys the day after you guys get back and it would make sense that if there is a strike it wouldn't just be a, a day or two because why would there be a strike if it's just going to last a day or so right. so sure. you know is that the date you guys have kind of heard and are most, you know, obviously you guys are having a terrific season. Westchester is always good. You know, do the programs that take basketball seriously, is it just more you guys are looking at it, we're going to practice and we're going to try to find a way to keep going and, and keep our season alive? Yeah, you know, um, the there was a letter out, I think, from the commissioner saying that, you know, there was – situation is you know side by side based off of, you know principle and so um, I've heard many schools uh, preparing to shut it all down um, I, I haven't heard about Westchester um, you know like for us you know I haven't heard specifically yeah down, I understand you know so um, you know that is the date seventh and eighth um, that we're hearing um and so, yeah, it's going to be a, a crazy scenario if, you know, we're not allowed to play our games and, you know, like how, how is that going to, you know, uh, affect everybody else, us, you know, it, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense, Coach. I'm hearing, obviously, from the LASD or Slash LA City section, obviously the strike may last five days, ten days, but that you guys will have an opportunity to make up games, but... How many games can you play in a week if the strike goes right. two or three weeks? You know, it's it'll be yeah. very difficult. Obviously, it look like there'll have to be some you know defaults, non no contest games. So obviously, we're pulling for you guys that hopefully you guys can play, and that you know obviously you guys have terrific teams every every season. Would be it'd be crazy to think you know Ethan and the rest Robert, of the guys, yeah. Robert Dinwiddie, you know Williams, you know even Jordan Brinson who's now his recruitment's picking up a lot that they wouldn't play any yep. more games. It'd be, it'd it'd be travesty, be travesty yeah. for those guys. And it kind of points to what we're saying, you know. Every situation is a little different. We obviously, yep. our, it comes of our opinion that, you know, Ethan should have been looked at a little bit harder by some of these Pac-12 schools. And yep. now they're in their situation they're in. So, uh, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. And um, hopefully that works out and you guys conti continue your successful season. they just make a decision that you know can benefit them but also not at the same time not take away from the kids because this is all about the kids right now so right. Um, hopefully uh, you know I, I think it can be done and hopefully they you know, make the decision to do so so um, yeah you're right we have a lot of kids literally you know right there that can uh, I mean you're talking about scholarships you know on right. the line and so um, it'd, be a, it'd be a shame you know to not give the, these kids that have worked so hard that opportunity. No doubt. We're pulling for, for every side to come to a you know a conclusion that's best for everybody. Coach Steve yeah. Bake, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll be in touch soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks, guys. So, Ronnie, I mean, that's that's tough news for, you know, 
the seniors, especially like a Robert McCray, like a Jordan Brinson, if, if this LAUSD strike does hold and they're missing games, that's, you know, those are, those are op- recruitment opportunities that are falling by the wayside and um, kind of unfortunate for all parties, whether it's just the player or, you know, schools recruiting them. Definitely, Devin. I, I did hear about that date, January 7th, 8th. They obviously start school next Monday, the right. 7th. So when you look at that, you know, they're obviously going to decide sooner or later. Uh, maybe it could be as early as that next week. So, you know, that could hurt a lot of people. And I know Steve Bake, obviously, he's, you know, he's going to keep things a, a bit of a conservative nature. But yeah, you can hear yeah, his yeah. voice. He wants to keep playing. Yeah. He wants to. He's a competitor. Yeah, you ever team. see him on the sideline, man? Yeah. He's 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 uh yeah. he's feisty, man. He wants to win. He wants yeah. to play. Yeah, he wants to play, and I'm, I know Ed Azam's the same way. And that's not just that's just two schools of a hundred. Right. We're speaking of those because we're speaking of their players. We're speaking about you. They're, they're recognizable. Yeah, they're recognizable. There's a lot of players out there who are going to miss out on opportunities. Washington Prep guys like I mean, really good solid yeah. teams. Noel Scott. Yeah, yeah, he's having a great fall into senior year. Yeah, you'd, you'd be shamed for him to miss out on any potential opportunities. So, you know, good luck to those guys. I, I think a strike might le- might happen. You know, obviously could be solved in the 11th hour or the 23rd hours, like we like to say. Right. But uh, if they strike, Devin, like I was telling Coach Bake, it ain't just going to be one day. Because no. you're not going to strike just for... No, what was that proof? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to prove nothing. Yeah. So they're going to have a, a probably four or five days of strike just to prove the point. If it does go through then... The media starts kicking in. Yeah. Sondheimer and Alley time. Well, Eric's been kicking yeah. for a while now. He yeah. he he has his his, uh, his uh, tweets kind of timed perfectly for for this, and he's obviously yeah. yeah. Uh, he's somebody who's trying been to call attention yeah. to it, and he's been ingrained in the city section for how many years now? Yeah, for for forty years. So, right. you know, then you'll have the media get involved. Then they'll start the arbitration. So that you're looking at at least another week after a that. week, yeah. probably ten days. So again, well, you know, and we also have the CIF. The season is moved up. The state finals are March 8th and 9th. So the rest of the sections, the other nine sections, Alley USD is obviously ingrained with the Alley City section. They got to continue, and their games yeah. are going to continue. Right. So on that note, let's hope that the Alley City can continue playing and continue their great seasons. Obviously, Ethan Anderson, you mentioned, is having a terrific season. I know Frank was Frank Burleson was very high on what Ethan did to get that quarterfinal win. And like and like Coach Big said, they didn't think Dinwiddie wasn't going to score. Right. So, you know, you Corona Centennial got to the final there, beat beat, beat the Fairfax. Lions in the semifinal. Yeah. And Ethan and, Anderson in that quarterfinal game, like you, you were talking about, had thirty one points and twenty six in in yeah. the second half alone. And I mean, he just willed Fairfax to that win and and put him on his on his, on the on his back. Um, let's go down. Let's go back into the high school realm. Yeah. Let's go down the five freeway a little bit um, to Tory Pines. Both you and I spent – you spent multiple days there. I spent one day there. Uh, Shadow Mountain out of Arizona with Jalen House. Uh, Javon Blackshear. Javon Blackshear. They defeated Mission Bay in a in a in in an interesting championship game. You were there. I was at Damien. So give us a little more information on how all that went down. Yeah, did I really want to be there? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, 55 fouls later – was it 55? Yeah, yeah. 54, 55 oh later, including five technicals. Uh, the better team, Shadow Mountain, won. Right. Uh, they won the tournament. Uh, they they were deserving champions. No and, doubt. You know, John Olive does a great job with overall with the tournament. They have a great fan base. But, boy, that championship game was tough. The fans were booing. 
you got a situation where a player got two technicals without within three seconds. Uh, then confusion. He wasn't checked out of the game. He came back in right after he a was, timeout. He was he was there <laughs> playing. He was still standing. And Shadow's like, okay, we'll take the ball out of bounds. Shadow goes in for an easy layup. Wait, so they scored with yeah. so Shadow Mountain scored, scored with a guy who was kicked out of the game still in the, in the game? game? Correct. And they got the easiest two points of Jalen House's career. <laughs> and you know, they they uh, it was just called commotion and it just wasn't good. Not a good raid with in the tournament. But uh, it's something that's got to be looked at. Uh, it was also a problem in some of the other tournaments we saw. You know, hopefully referees, associations, groups, however you want to call them. Now, obviously, they're not NBA refs, so they're, they're learning just like, in, just like the players are in, in many respects. But they got to come to a, a situation where when you're in these tournaments, you got O'Day of Seattle, we got the Rancho Christians, Bishop Gormans, Shadow Mountains, Federal Way, etc., and I'm talking about all tournaments. I'm just right. Na- some on, on a, yeah, on a national top, level. Top teams coming to these tournaments, traveling extremely True. far to people spending good money. Spending Devin. good money. Fifteen dollars to get into these tournaments. Gas money to come down the five. Hotel, like you said, hotel, hotels. You don't want to see the stars foul out and foul out on a uh, double foul and then a double technical. It happened with Jalen Green, the the junior from San Joaquin Memorial. Yeah, what happened Fresno. in that Sheldon game? Yeah, in that game, uh, Marcus Bagley. Terrific wing junior at Sheldon of Sacramento. Him and Jalen Green got to a little bit of jawing. Nothing serious. And the refs could have said, hey, guys, knock it off. Or told both coaches, get these two guys out of the game for now. Right, give them a little breather. Let them calm down. Let them calm down. But no, what happened was they got a double technical, which is not the end of the world. But then what happened on the next play, you guessed it, Devin. There's a drive. (laughs) Jalen Green fouls. And it's a bang, bang, he's falling on the ground, flailing to the ground. Right. That's his fourth foul. Then he gets a technical. Boom. Next play, that's five fouls. So he right. got three fouls. One of the star players of the tournaments in right. 10 seconds. That's just not, again, going back to the tournament, if we want to see the players, fans come to see the players. Some kids told me, hey, man, I'm here to see Jalen Green. Right. You know. And the ref's too busy putting the, his imprint on the game and correct trying to, I don't know, is it a manhood thing? Like, what's what? What is it like? Trying to is it a control thing? It's a little bit of a control thing, and they're trying to do their job right. Which yeah. kudos to them. But you got to have some discretion, and you got to have some restraint, as well as the players do. Right. It's tough. Just it's move tough. Move them out of the game. Right. It's it's tough to be a referee. I mean, yeah. it really is. No it's a, it's, a, it's a no win situation. Yeah. One side is going to be pissed regardless of what call you make. I remember I refereed like youth flag football when I was like fifteen as my first job. And uh, I had parents of youth flag football teams Going just crazy. ripping me the entire game. <laughs> like this is this is yeah. fucking five year olds yeah. playing flag football, and I'm getting just torched. And coaches trying to fight me, dads coming out yeah. of the stands screaming at me. Like I get it. I've been in that situation. Obviously not um, in games that really mean anything like sure. these ones do. But the, being a referee is just it's a thankless job. That I, I mean, I would never want to do it. I don't sure. know why these guys even do it, but. Someone's got to do it. (laughs) And, you know, kudos to them. Like I said, they just need the main thing. I main point I want to bring hard on this and go in the paint on this, Devin, is using restraint and also communicating and knowing that you're refing not a high, a normal high school game. The games we talk about on this podcast involves 
high level players and yeah. high level teams. We're talking usually about five percent of the schools out there in the country. Right. There's all kind of games out there. Right. There's all kind of great coaches, great stories. We don't get to all of them. We're talking about mostly the elites here. So when you have a college level game, you got to ref it like a college level I like, ability. I like that point. Like sometimes, you know, yeah. I you see more high level games yeah. than I do yeah. because you go you're able to go to all those larger sure. tournaments things like that. So yeah. when I when I go to a uh you know, a lower level game like a an Orange County game say between Edison and Laguna Beach. Sure. There's a lot of guys on that court who are of the same level, whether it's a NEIA guy to a D3 to a D2 to a you know low D1 potential guy. Um, it's easier to ref those games, I think, because there's less uh, contact, maybe big time contact, mm-hmm. like yeah. you know, dude trying to dunk on each other or yeah. um, playing over the rim, playing, physical. Yeah, yeah, playing above the rim in the you know in the paint, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, but. I think when you get to the higher level games, like you said, you made a good point. You need to officiate it like a higher level game should be officiated. Sure. And that's where you're trying to go anyway. A high school ref right. wants to get evaluated and move up to the next is level. That, is that the end goal? I don't, I, I yeah. mean, I'm not in the ref, the ref Definitely. mob. Yeah, but hey, if, if a high school player wants to be a college player, you should aspire to be a college sure. ref. And a college ref will probably one day hopes to ref in the NBA. Sure. So on that note, you know, that's... We wanted to make that point, but we don't want to spend too much time yeah, on, let's, on the let's, rest. We want to talk about the players. Players, yeah, let's talk about Paolo the players. Paolo Banchero. So, yeah, what, Seattle all day. Yeah. Wow. Let's talk about him. 221. Got a little bit of Juwan Howard in his game. Straight back to the basket. Strong player. Had a great tournament. Unfortunately, he had a concussion. He got concussion-like symptoms in Semi-finals. the semifinals. Yep. So he wasn't, you know, day lost and Mission Bay advanced. But hey, oh. he, he's one hell of a passer. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, you post. you put him in the post, high post, the yeah. half court, and a press. Yeah. I mean, he he turns and faces up, and he can find dudes like no other. Yeah, I and mean, the recruitment's gonna pick up also for his teammate, another two twenty one, John Christophilus. Yeah, he's the guy we've seen. Boy, he can really play uh, two guard, kind of a combo guard, good athlete, can shoot, I mean, good all around player, kind of a throwback. Dude. Yeah, he's six six four, real strong body, and the elevation he gets on his jump shot is. Yeah. Some of the best I've seen in a very long time. I mean, he gets good. I mean, his his elevation is impressive. He, he releases the ball at the the peak of his of his jump on his jump shot. But um, a lot of the guys like him can get kind of kind of um, pinholed into being just a shooter. And Christophilus does a little bit of everything. I mean, he can mm-hmm. take you off the dribble. Uh, he's got real good ball skills, uh, and he can finish through contact. I mean, he gets up and absorbs contact and. Can finish through it. Um, he's a real nice player. One of the one of the biggest standouts I saw in the tournament. But let's go to Boogie Ellis, uh, Duke commit, Duke signee, I believe. Um, what were your thoughts on his performance? And then in the semis, he had forty three against O'Day. What, what were your thoughts on him? Boogie um, did a terrific job against O'Day. Uh, Could score again. He was thrown a little bit off of rhythm because of what happened in the final. There was fouls. The game had no rhythm. He did score 20 points, and most of them came on free throws after the game was decided. Of course, after all the shenanigans. The then ref, they started calling fouls. The, the, it <laughs> became a tight called game. Um, he just has to keep working on his consistency. Yeah. So obviously going to Duke. Um, Duke hasn't had a guy from the area since Eric Meek of San Pasquale Escondido, which is during their back-to-back first title run in 91-92. It's almost been 25 years. So he gets a lot of attention. I just think he needs to keep working. Uh, terrific score. Really loves to play hard. Uh, Boogie. He's a competitor. He, Boogie's a competitor. Did great this summer. 
just needs to keep working on being consistent for Marshawn Cherry every single game. Yeah, and a guy who um, you know gets will get most of the pub in any gym he goes to, Jalen Green from San Joaquin Memorial, one of the top junior recruits in the nation. Um, something I saw from him is uh, you know he's really increased his consistency as a jump shooter, as a three point shooter. Sure. Uh, he used to be kind of all to all to the basket um, with his athletic freakish athleticism, NBA athlete all the way. Um, but what I liked from what I saw in his game in the, in the one day I was there was that the jumper is looking a lot better. What were your thoughts on Jalen Green's performance, Ronnie? I think Jalen is also doing a good job. As you mentioned on the jumper, I want to follow up that teams know about him. Uh, they have a good team, not a, not a great team, good team. They were a little yeah. more talented last year. Well, they also had Damian Douglas and a few other guys that, that made him deeper. But they have a good team, and they, they've had a duf- difficult schedule. He's getting double-teamed, fire, fire. They're calling fire. He, they're double-teaming at the top of the key as soon as they can, and he's doing a better job of passing out of it, maybe even trying to split it. I think in the summer he was forcing it. Uh, he's played for EBO. And, and, he's letting and, the game and, come to him a little bit better now. Yeah, he was, you know, he's had a, played a lot of point guard, and he's learning the position. And it, at times it was a struggle for him in the summer, but he's doing a better job now. Uh, just recognizing the double teams, letting the game, like you said, come to him and slowing down. And boy, like you said, he's a A1 athlete, so he's going to make plays. And wish we'd seen him a little more on the last day. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> he was gone real quick, and the fans weren't happy. I was okay. I've seen him play, you know, 20 yeah, times, yeah. but not for fans. It paid 15 poppers. Let's, they were they were, yeah. they were not happy. Yeah, let's move over to the championship team. Uh, team one title, obviously, Jalen House and Joe Von Blackshear are the headliners of that team. Um, Jalen House is a dynamic score. There's no question about it. Um, he rubs fans the wrong way sometimes yeah. because he talks a lot of shit. Yeah. He, he talks a lot of shit, but he's, he backs it up. He really does. Uh, Ronnie, what were your thoughts on Jalen house before we move into Blackshire? Yeah. I think Jalen house, uh, you know, if you talk the game, you got to bring it in. He does average 30.5 points per game in the four games had 24 steals and that put him over 500 for his career. Nationally, he's sitting at five Oh five. As Shadow Mountain is now 13-1 and one by winning four games in that tournament. They only lost on a miracle shot that most of you high school basketball fans saw. Nico Mannion. Nico Mannion, um, Pinnacle, Phoenix. You know, a great rivalry there. Too bad they don't play in the same playoff division. But, you know, the Shadow Mountain's moved up to number 20. Jalen House is a great pickup for Bobby Hurley. Kind of, I can imagine, I could see one day... Jalen House and Bobby Hurley just going, going out at it. Of practice. No doubt. Going at, they're going to go He's out of practice kick, big time. He's going to kick him out of practice yeah. a few times. But, yeah. but deep down low, Bobby's going to like it. Because Jalen competes, and that's what yeah. Bobby did. Yeah, that's what Bobby did. You know, Jalen's a mf Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, one somebody made a great point about Bobby one time that he's one of the greatest players they've ever normal. What saying about normal is... He's not Jalen Green. He doesn't have that type. He's a normal, everyday player. You, you might see him walking down the street, street in a business suit or something like that. Correct. He's as good as you get as a normal player. Right. Too bad he had unfortunate, that unfortunate car accident yeah. at the Sacramento Kings early his NBA career because he was a player. And obviously, Jalen is not physically dominant. He's 6'1", 160. But boy, he gives it everything he has. Shout out to Jalen House. Like I said, over 500 steals. Only 10 guys in the history of high school basketball have been reported with that many. And it's crazy because his teammate, Javon Blackshear, is going to Grand Canyon to play for Dan Marley. Has like 425. Right. And I'll, t- I'll tell you what about, about Javon Blackshear. Okay. That's a hell of a get for Grand Canyon. I mean, yeah. 
he was key with Team Why Not when you joined them late in, in the club season with their run in, in Peach Jam. Um, he's just a floor general. He he kind of reminds me, uh, attitude and composure-wise, of a Bobby Hurley. Just sure. real smooth. You know, you never know. If, he's never too high, never too low. Sure. Um, he just makes the right play when, when needed. And if he needs to score, because Jalen House handles most of the scoring. Yeah. Make, make, make no bones about yeah. He handles most of the scoring, and he does a great job at it. But if, if Jovan Blackshear ever needs to up his scoring and take over a game, he's more than capable of doing it. Yeah. But he's also capable of taking over a game by simply, you know, being dishing. a high IQ guy, dishing, making the right basketball play. Jo- Ronnie, what did you see um, from Jovan that stood out to you this weekend? I think he let the game come to him. Like you said, Jalen, a little more demonstrative. And I think it's great. They, no, yeah, they get into each other. They, they get into each other yeah. with each other. Yeah. Hey, pass the damn ball. Yeah. You know, hey, man, did you see that? Did you see him? You know, and it's just, they come to win. They've only lost one game. Like I said, they've only lost four games in the last three years. They haven't even lost 10 games in four years of high school basketball. So kudos to the Shadow Mountain program. Yeah. They've only, they lost five games as freshmen. And in the last three years, they've only lost four games. So they haven't even lost double-digit games yet. And they may not lose again this season. They're going down to the Montverde tournament. Um There'll be some again. competition They're going there. to the Bass Pro, I believe. And, yeah. and, and Rancho Christian is going to the Mont- Montverde. So Bass Pro is going to be very good. They're in it. And some other high-level teams, which is in in uh, Missouri. Great, great highly attended event. So that, that's going to be where they're going to determine their final uh, national ranking because they're probably going to roll through their division in, in Arizona. Arizona yeah. Because all the good teams are not in a quote-unquote uh, one division or an open division type of, type of situation. So it's kind of interesting. And a closing note on that is back to Pinnacle and Nico Mannion, who's going to Arizona, is the one still, ironically, that Jalen House didn't get led to their only loss. Right. He, on that play, you know, Nico's about 70, 70 feet from the bucket. Jalen reaches in. Tips it away. Tips it away. Yeah. And Nico has the fortitude and, and, and the savvy to, to not panic. He keeps the dribble going. Jalen gets up, still plays D, and and another guy comes to help, and and Nico still hits the winning shot to send him, you know, to to win the game, and it's their only loss. We said so. Pinnacle was out in the desert at the Rancho Mirage tournament. They went to in a pool play, so the the best two teams in each pool advanced to what they would call a title game, right? Against um, Modern Day Santa Ana, Modern Day Santa Ana, and Modern Day beat them. Yep. So uh, modern day Nico had Nico had forty five yeah. in that game I think forty five forty five Trent Brown had over twenty yep his teammate he's a good shooter shooter yep but so Devin Devin, Devin Askew and and Wilhelm Breedenbach from modern day both sophomores um, obviously had big games in in that one uh, Aiden Prukup and Ryan Evans uh, two other very good players for modern day Harrison Hornery another twenty twenty one so modern day I mean they're fifteen fl- and one they're flying. Why why is modern day flying under the radar? Is it because they're they're youth, I think and they're not playing youth. a high level schedule this year? I guess as as they would in the past. Yeah, they they don't have seniors, so Gary McKnight is not going to over schedule. Right, go crazy on the schedule. Um, they're up to thirty eight in the Fab Fifty. They had to had to be hot by Westchester because Westchester's only lost to Sierra Canyon in Iolani tournament, and they came back to win a big tournament. For modern day's loss to Whitney Young, and Whitney Young's not that good. We've so seen them at. Yeah, we well, saw him at Tarkanian, Chicago's best team's probably Curry. So Whitney Young is not as good as Sierra Canyon. Yeah, that's, so that's the reason why Westchester okay. was able to elevate him. So you're right, they are flying a little under the radar. They're still 15 and one. I think coming into the season, Devin, 
people were looking at Bosco. This is the year they're going to win the Trinity League. Then you, then McCormaker came to Orange Lou. Whoa, they, he can makes, they do it? He's another standout from Torrey Pines, McCormaker. I mean, he's 6'11 yeah. with perimeter yeah. ball skills and smooth jump shot. I mean, yeah. um, he's a he's a tough cover. But like you said, Bosco, a lot of the media people around here were like, this is, you know, they're deep. They can field yeah. three, you know, varsity starting lineups, you know, with, with their guys. Um, Definitely good high school players. Good high school players. But Jonathan Salazar was their catalyst he's yeah. the guy who yeah. kind of made everything go coach coach matt dunn was laughing he's like yeah for a lot of the, the things he does poorly he makes up for it with the things he does great right. and that's rebound defensive versatility uh energy he just i mean he's an absolute freak athlete he wants to dunk on everybody a uh, big time competitor um but now that he we don't know where what his status is modern day we know he's you know, gonna miss games a he's lot gonna of miss games. games he's already missed a lot of games so uh, modern day's sitting looking like they're could be sitting pretty but Orange Lutheran's a team that you know you need to keep an eye on and, in that uh, Trinity in the Trinity League. But let's let's move into a more national uh, focus here and take a look at your latest Fab Fifty national rankings update, Ronnie. We had some some crazy stuff go down uh, the Iolani Classic and other other uh, holiday tournaments that kind of made the rankings a little you know janky to deal with this year. Sure. I mean, this this time around. Sure, Devin. Um, like we talk about, there's there's issues in different various things of the game obviously we talked a little bit about the refs uh not revving at a high level with a high level athlete so the other thing we're, we're, we're running into now is that the california scholastic federation and other state associations like in alabama they're not gonna let their teams play programs that are independent and don't play for a state title anymore Devin. so you had a situation going yeah. into ayalani where Westchester lost to Sierra Canyon in the semifinal. Right. And the other semifinal, Lalamere, which was number five, beat the defending champs and number one, Montverde, in their semifinal. So what's the fans think? Well, Sierra Canyon is going to get their chance at Lalamere. Obviously, that's not what happened. Sierra Canyon can't play Lalamere. So, because of state association rules. rules. So they play Montverde, which is... Yeah, it's like it takes a luster but, out of a championship it, game, and then correct. you're playing what 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 game a are you playing? A third place game? Yeah, you like, lost. You just playing the team that lost, and you won. And you won. Right. These are seventeen year old kids. They're like, okay, they knew going in, but it's still a tough situation. It's to, stupid. It's the tough situation to deal with for kids. Uh, obviously, Sierra Canyon would have loved to play Montverde in the championship game, right? Because then they'd be playing for the number one spot, and they still played the team that is the new number one, Lalamere. Because Sierra Canyon lost to Montverde. So the first situation <laughs> happened for Sierra so Canyon. If, if you weren't following that, um, replay it. And replay it. Hear it again. Listen to it again. And Ronnie actually wrote a little bit on well, it uh, yeah, on ballslife.com. Yeah, you go to, go to the website, check it check out. Check that out if you're more of a, a detail visual guy. Yeah, detail learner. Yeah. You want to know what we're really talking about. And the same thing almost happened at City of Palms as well. A team couldn't play Oak Hill. Mountain Brook of Alabama couldn't play Oak Hill. Trenton Wofford went off in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Beat an IMG team who some think have, is the most talented team in the country. Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Josh Green. Noah, Josh Green. Noah Farrakhan. Jaden Springer. He had 38 and 12 in that yeah, game. He just went off. So they get to the semifinal. They lose. Oak Hill loses in the semifinal to Imatep. Imatep charter great school out of Philadelphia. So naturally you think, they're gonna play in the third place game. The third place game nope. didn't didn't take place. <laughs> it didn't they didn't play it. Steve Smith and Oak Hill just went home, so they can't play. So 
Going in the future next year, you're going to probably see a situation where there's going to be less independent and yeah. academy type teams in these brackets. And it's going to be, I call it, Devin, kind of like a separation of church and state almost. There might be one day where they're just not going to play. Right. And the academies and pressers say, screw it. We got great players. Just play each other. Right. I've been talking to different coaches across the country about this for a while. And now it seems like it may come to a forefront. If these teams can't play various state associations, especially the power states, what's the point of them being in the bracket? Right. It just makes it confuses fans. And obviously didn't work out for Sierra Canyon. No, and it just messes up the yeah. you know, bracket as, oh. as a whole. Like As a whole, yeah. When you, you want to see you, two winners play. You just want to see the games played. Correct. The, the games that are supposed to be played, right. you want to see them played. You want Correct. the winner of semifinal, one semifinal, and the winner of the other semifinal to be able to go to the finals and play the championship game because that's how it's supposed to be. That's just how it's supposed to. Yeah, that's how it's that's, set up. That's how basketball set up. Guys. <laughs> they don't want to see what we saw. It's very difficult to explain sometimes, and it's just confusing, that, and it hurts the team that won that can't play the team that won. Right. So we don't want to spend too much time on that. Go to uh, ballslife.com. Yeah. Check it out. The new rankings are out. Lalamere's number one. McKeatron, who ended up beating Imhotep in the City of Palms final, ten and zero. Great season so far. They're number two. Montverde falls to three after the close loss to Lalamere. And Sierra Canyon comes in right behind them. They deserve it. They've only had lost one game. It wasn't too bad of a loss, obviously, to Montverde. They played them pretty tough, considering the circumstances, considering they won and Montverde lost. So they move up, actually, with the one loss. IMG comes in right behind them. You know, IMG has some other great wins. They beat DeMatha, so DeMatha 6, IMG is 5. Who's 7, 8, 9, 10? Give us the rest of the top 10. So Wasatch Academy, who, Devin, you saw with their... Great, great, intensely great yeah. team right now. 15 0. Real good team. I think most people kind of slept on them in the preseason semi. I knew how good they were going to be. Well, we saw them over at yeah. the Bosco Fall League, and they were just dominant. Yeah, yeah they just they had a chance. You yeah. can see that they had a chance. Imhotep comes in at number eight. Oak Hill's number nine. Obviously, they can't fall too far. They've had some great wins, but they have to be behind Imhotep. And Rainy School comes in at number with Brian and Scotty yeah. Lewis. They yeah. won the John Wall tournament to improve to 7 0. And New Jersey starts a little bit later, guys, just so you know why they 7-0 and some teams 16 and one. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another problem that we talk about in high school sometimes on the website, and we like to talk a little bit more when we get a chance in the paint on, is, you know, schools don't start at the same time. Oak Hill can practice in September. Whatever they want. Yeah, and, you know, New Jersey's not practicing until Thanksgiving right. or after, after, and don't play their games till early December, so... It's it's a difficult field out there. We have 50 different states. They operate autonomously and differently, as we're seeing. But the great thing is there's great games out there. There's players trying to get scholarships. Um, I want to continue to touch up, like you said, a little bit on, on uh, modern day. And, you know, UCLA and whoever the new head coach is, the, the permanent head coach, obviously, Rory Bartow's the intern, the son of Gene Bartow. They're going to have to get out, get out and get after some of these guys. They're going to need a Devin Ashby. They're going to are they going to take a look at Jordan Brinson? They need a, they need a yeah. Wilhelm Breedenbach. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they need some winners. Yeah. So they got Jordan Brinson's got now looking at Hawaii, Alamu, New Mexico, Utah, and VCU. So for Jordan Brinson, it's picking up. He obviously led Westchester to the Beach Ball Classic on New Year's Eve that we touched up on earlier. So let's hope that that. Westchester Fairfax first showdown. They played two times every year in Western League. Still goes on. Obviously, we have this big looming shadow of the LAUSD strike overhead. 
And, you know, that guy's going to end up getting a D1 scholarship. Is he going to be out of state, Devin? Or is he is somebody going to, you know, take a look at him locally? Are we going to be talking about him as another guy that the locals couldn't get as we want, lame it why they're not on TV and they got a new head coach, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to get into the mind of a high school recruit unless you're, you know, yeah. talking to him and you know, who's offered, what's, what's he's thinking as far as where he wants to attend school. But if UCLA or, you know, any of these local Pac-12s come calling Jordan Brinson, why would he – why would he want to leave? I mean, that's that's his area. Sure. Uh, you think that they would want to play for a UCLA, but maybe that's part of the issue. That could be part of the issue. Let's look at a little bit of Kawhi Leonard, uh, NBA All-Star, one of the best players in the league. When he was coming out of ML King and Riverside, the big boys, quote-unquote, did get involved late, Devin, but he said, you know what? Guys haven't been on me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to the school that was on me the longest and I have a good relationship with and the rest is history. So we could be seeing some of those type of situations. I think that happened a little bit under Steve Alford. They're a little late, late to the ball game on some guys and the guys are going to say, Hey, I'm going to be loyal. Kids are very savvy. I don't think we can give enough credit. They, they look on the internet like we do. They look on Twitter. They, they know what's going on. You know, they obviously sometimes coaching changes, sideswipe their plans, but I think overall we don't give them enough credit for being savvy. Yeah. Something that I've noticed is, um, Sometimes coaches get tunnel vision yeah. on kind of who who they're identifying. Uh, they, they identify five guys they want in the class, and those are the five guys they go and try and get, whether it's through a club affiliation or uh, rankings affiliation, trying to get you know you know, one of those top end recruiting classes, which is all great. Like that's good for uh, publicity for the program. Sure, uh, you know you can post it on on Twitter with a cool little graphic and be like, look, we have a top, top ten recruiting mm-hmm. class in the country. Great. But again, if you can't coach them up or the guys aren't as develop. good as advertised yeah. and they don't develop and they think they're one and done and they're not and they come back and they're you know pissed that they're not one and done or whatever, um, that puts you at a disadvantage because if you open up your horizons and look look more open up your, open horizon. up your horizons, look more broadly at the area you're in, there's so many solid four-year players who are being under-recruited. Um, and that's kind of a, an issue I see at a lot of – different schools in on the west coast definitely devin um hopefully these keep their these schools keep their eyes open take a look at at more kids and hopefully it works out you know um it's going to be a very crossroads time like we said here for ucla in the pac-12 they need to do something something needs to change or else it's just going to get worse and worse people are not watching them on tv they're not talking about them buzzing in the community as you may have you know seen if you're 30 or 40 years old. And when you were younger, as you talked about college basketball in the area, you know, obviously USC is bringing in a high level recruiting class. Maybe that could change. If, if that class next year combined with some of the returnees they have with Isaiah Mobley and the guys that, uh, neck and a Congo bringing in, maybe they make a deep tournament run. Maybe that starts the, the trend back upward, but we're going to be watching that. And then the next episode, we're going to dive in with another high school coach. We're going to talk about how high school basketball has become big time, travel, you know, and that's kind of what we were touching on earlier with the referees. They got to realize this is big time. So we're going to talk to another high school coach fans out there about travel, about what it means to play on a high level schedule. National National schedule. schedule. Yeah. Yeah, Like, you know, it's like college. They're playing 30 games almost. And high school basketball in terms of big time high school basketball teams ranked in the fat fit, the top. It's like college was 30, 40 years ago. They're they're playing that type of schedule. So. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yeah. 
Thanks. We appreciate your guys' uh, ears. Um, if you like what you hear, please give us a subscribe, like, whatever it is on our iTunes page. It's uh, Ball is Life's In the Paint Show. And we will see you on our next episode. Take it easy.